when you're thinking about positioning, it's worth thinking not just of the sort of the likelihood of something happening, but also the the brutality of it. So if you get a Santa rally, it, it might put an extra few percent on on what's already a great year. But the risks as we're seeing them uh, could be sort of much larger on the downside if it does go that way, if the Omicron is worse than we think, or if the valuations do sort of come back to more normal levels uh, and beyond. And so just sort of that, the asymmetry, I guess, is is what's concerning me at the moment. But speaking of asymmetry, Boaz, uh, there's something I wanted to touch on as always with you, which is... Welcome to the Exponential Investor Podcast. Want to be a better, smarter, more clued up investor? Well, you've come to the right place. We cover the breakthrough investment ideas you don't hear about in the mainstream to keep you on top of the mega trends and opportunities reshaping our world. Hello, and welcome to the Exponential Investor Podcast. I'm Kit Winder, and sadly, my colleague Sam Volkering is ill, um, but that means we have the, the brilliant treat of having my colleague and good friend Boaz Shoshan on to join me today. How are you doing? Oh, thank you very much for having me, Kit. It's, uh, it's been a while since I've done one of these, and they're always good fun, so uh, let's get on with it. Yeah, well, it's always a, a pleasure to have you. And um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time in the markets. Things have bounced back since uh, what some would say is the Omicron dip, but I think what we would both say is that there's a fair bit more going on than the latest variant. Um, and I think that's what we want to sort of discuss today is the framework uh, going into the last few weeks of December and Christmas and whether that can sort of, I guess, um, you know, build up for, for a traditional Santa rally in the market. So are we going to get a nice end of year melt up uh, to send everyone packing into their holidays uh, with some festive cheer? Um, there's things going on like, uh, American tech and growth stocks uh, struggling under the surface. Um, so some of the big names, Peloton, Zoom, PayPal, Alibaba, Baidu, those kind of names are down 40, 50, sometimes 60 or 70%. Um, you know, the ARK ETF is breaking below $100, uh, which has been a support level for it for a, a few months now. Uh, Bitcoin as well had a flash crash over the weekend and is struggling again a little bit today. Uh, so there's plenty to talk about, but Boaz... <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I'm keen to get your thoughts on uh, on whether we're going to have a Santa rally this year. Yeah, it is a very big question, uh, and one does wonder whether or not investors have been relying too much on Santa in previous years to give them those year-end returns. It's something that a lot of people have gotten used to. It's been a long time since we've not had a Santa rally of some variety, at least. Um, and I think it's very interesting to see, as you were mentioning, tech stocks struggle at the moment, considering we're getting all of this uh, fear and uh, uh, some, some might argue hysteria regarding the Omicron variant of coronavirus. Because, you know, the tech sector is what's boomed so well, so much uh, during uh, the lockdowns, especially. And as we are now seeing another another variant and governments uh, trying to you know, go into ever more authoritarian and extreme measures uh, like in Germany and Austria, uh, one wonders why why tech is having a bad time when a lot of places in the world, maybe not America, for example, but a lot of places in the world are preparing for another lockdown. And it was lockdown, which was so good for tech in the first place. Uh, so one does wonder what's going on there. At the same time, um, you know, it's not like tech's fallen by that much. So it's not like we're seeing a real, you know, it's a very painful time uh, to be a tech investor right now. Uh, I think we've yet to see something really, really significant there. Um, but you know, we'll we'll wait and see. I think the Santa rally dynamic, and for those who are uh, you know for those who are uh, new to the term, 
so the Santa Rally is just a historical uh, area in the run to Christmas, generally during December, when the stock market in the US at least uh, does very well. And this is doesn't always arrive, but the Santa Rally is this uh, is something that just happens. There's not really a a good explanation for it. Uh, but it just happens and then people expect it to happen and they stop planning around the Santa Rally. A lot of people like trading the Santa Rally, like indeed our colleague uh, Owen Tracy. And, uh, you know, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. It has in previous years, uh, you know, recent years. And one wonders whether or not we're going to get it this time. Uh, but what is in Santa's, uh, Santa's satchel this time, do you think, Kit? I mean, is he carrying coal? I mean, it does look like the, the energy sector uh, for coal. Well, the, the, the dirty energy sector is having a very interesting time at the minute. Um, or is he actually carrying a bear market? And it's a, it's a big surprise for everybody when at, at Christmas, when everyone's expecting things to go well, uh, that's when everybody gets wiped out. Um, I would lean more on the side that this is sort of the fake out at the beginning of December and then we get a massive Santa rally. But that is purely uh, my gut and it's not, it's not based on anything, anything particular I've seen. Yeah, well, I think one thing I found interesting is that um, there are a lot of reasons to be very cautious, you know, as markets tipped over a week or so ago or two weeks ago, that first day when the Omicron news hit and it was down 3% on a Friday. And then the next week it was very volatile. The um, the volatility index, which sort of measures investors' fear, the VIX was up at 30 for the first time since March. Um, but one thing I found very interesting was the the immense force of the rebound upwards uh, just in the, the few days this week. And it just shows the sort of the incredibly powerful uh, dynamics of sort of the buy the dip mentality oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, for one. And maybe also the sort of powerful dynamics of uh, automatic strategies uh, rebalancing or, or the, the dynamics of sort of passive investing where people buy in and just automatically... If money goes into a fund, it automatically buys the subsidiaries and those huge American tech subsidiaries, still Amazon, Microsoft, you know, the fangs uh, are still uh, pushing pushing the indices ever higher. But I think uh, one thing I wanted to put to you, Boaz, was this uh, description that Jeremy Grantham, uh, the famous bubble rider uh, and bubble avoider, it should be said, um, gave about the 2000 bubble and the way that it worked in, in that sort of it's the most speculative and least profitable and most egregiously valued companies, which roll over first. Uh, and he said it in 2000, it was the, the very worst of the dot-com, you know, faddish companies that, that fell first. And then it sort of spread to the slightly more sensible or slightly larger companies before sort of six months later, actually, um, the, the indices, indices started to roll over as well. And, you know, if we take a few examples, you're right that tech in general hasn't had such a terrible time yet because it includes those, you know, mega cap fang stocks, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Google, Netflix and the rest, Tesla. Um, but if you look at maybe unprofitable tech companies in America, that has had a very difficult time. Or indeed the Chinese tech index uh, is down massively. SoftBank is, is an example, which is almost like a fund, almost like a sort of private equity fund. That's That was down 50%. Um, in, in a six-month space going into sort of Monday or Tuesday this week, which is a really powerful sort of marking point of how investors feel about this crucial pillar of the bull market of the last few years. And um, I just wonder how you feel about that analogy from 2000, what he described, and whether whether that might be what we're seeing again today. Quite possibly. I think uh, regarding what the rest of the world does, it's one of these ways that we've all become so American <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, yeah, you know, investors. Everyone looks at the the U.S. markets, uh, and you know a lot of that. It's, you know, the FTSE isn't that interesting. Hasn't been a very exciting market to watch. 
uh, over the past, you know, while, while, as, for as long as I've been an adult investor, ultimately. Uh, but of course, the size of the American markets, the liquidity is a lot different over there. Uh, seen, uh, seen by foreign investors as a store of value to some degree, similar to American real estate. Uh, and so it has these, these dynamics. Uh, it has a, um, I believe the, the word for it would be a, um, what is it called? It was uh, George Soros, re reflexive. It's got yeah. this reflexive dynamic where uh, it getting bigger only leads it to getting bigger again because it becomes this this object that people are sort of sucked towards, investors are sucked towards. Uh, so again, you know, the Santa Rally is an American dynamic. Uh, well, whereas you know what going on, go, what's going on in America may be completely different from what's happening in the rest of the world, like in like in EM and you know Evergrande, the uh, the Starbucks the the Starbucks uh, coffee size that everybody got really concerned about uh, recently, uh, you know suddenly it's back in the news again uh, because they're thinking yeah well we may, it may may miss its grace period for its debt repayment. Uh, that's back now, and that makes a lot of sense of why in China things would be a lot different. Uh, though Ch the Chinese stock market has always had been a lot more vol volatile uh, ever since it sort of matured uh, since the uh, since the 2000s and that. So I think what goes on in the rest of the world uh, is, yeah, I mean, I, you know, in a lot of ways, the rest of the world, uh, do you think perhaps, you know, to, to use the Jeremy Grantham example, could it be that it's the rest of the world are the laggards that are indicating that things are going to go bad in America? I wonder. Um, I I'd probably doubt it. I'd probably doubt that uh, because uh, the American um, the American economy as it is, uh, the American financial system is, is so independent to a large degree, especially when it comes to stock prices. Of course, the uh, global reserve currency status of the U.S. dollar means it's very very interconnected. But when it comes to uh, the stocks themselves, uh, they are often they are they are treated quite differently from uh, emerging markets and even other developed markets. You know. Uh, the, the American stock market and the German stock market, for example, they don't, they don't share a huge amount uh, in common, especially when it comes to things like tech, as we were discussing. Um, but in, in general, uh, Kit, looking over where we are at the minute, um, yeah, I, 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 w I, would be, I would be surprised if Santa did come to save emerging markets at the minute, with Omicron being, such a, such a, being seen as such a big deal. Yeah, it's still, it feels with Omicron that... Um although perhaps cases are no longer, if they ever were, if cases are no longer the best metric, um, they're still being sort of widely used and cited, and, and it's hard to see the incredible sort of ramp up in cases in those places and not get concerned as an investor. Um, and yeah, on the Santa Rally, I also, I think there's an important point to be made, which is, you know, if you take, for example, the American lofty valuations that we're seeing, even if you get when you're thinking about positioning, it's worth thinking not just of the sort of the likelihood of something happening, but also the the brutality of it. So if you get a Santa rally, it, it might put an extra few percent on on what's already a great year. But the risks as we're seeing them uh, could be sort of much larger on the downside if it does go that way, if the Omicron is worse than we think, or if the valuations do sort of come back to more normal levels uh, and beyond. And so just sort of that, the asymmetry, I guess, is is what's concerning me at the moment. But Speaking of asymmetry, Boaz, uh, there's something I wanted to touch on, as always, with you, which is uh, the crypto space. Uh, and uh, one thing that people often describe is the way in which uh, Bitcoin is maybe not correlated uh, with some of the more traditional financial markets. Um, but one of the things that has concerned me in recent weeks is the sort of the the struggles, the woes of Bitcoin and the, the crypto sphere, because as I see it, and this is a view sort of that John John Hussman speaks about a lot, 
sort of there is a correlation in speculative assets in times such as these and to me it's not a coincidence that the likes of Tesla and the ARK funds and SoftBank and the sort of US tech unprofitable sectors that it's sort of all bundled together and coming down as one is that something that concerns you or do you see that uh, when it really comes down to it Bitcoin in the crypto space can can prove themselves to be properly uncorrelated with with more traditional markets. Yeah, my my position with Bitcoin's correlation is that I hope its nature changes uh, and it becomes much more emblematic of what it's what it was created to be. So everyone thinks it's an uncorrelated asset, but actually it isn't an uncorrelated asset. Its price does correlate very well with a lot of speculative themes. Uh, and you know, like U.S. tech, for example, they they go together in lockstep often, though not all the time. But and and Bitcoin, of course, is a lot more volatile. So some people who like tech, some people like the internet, but would look for Bitcoin as a high beta play. You know, you get a bit more, a bit more juice out of any move in, in tech through Bitcoin. Um, but hopefully that does change, and Bitcoin does become this independent thing because Bitcoin isn't the same as any of these other things. It is a, a truly unique uh, asset. It is not like a commodity. It's not like a tech stock. It shares various uh, elements of these things, but it is not that. It is its own unique breed of creature. And yet it trades very similarly to things like uh, venture capital in the tech space, uh, which, is, which, isn't, which isn't great, but it's just the way things are. Right? You, you, have to, you have to deal with these things uh, just the way the market values them. So uh, with Bitcoin, I do wonder whether or not due to its correlation with things like tech, whether or not it is sounding sort of an early warning signal on things like tech in general. Uh, though, you know, we've yet to see that, I think. So, for example, if we fast forward to, well, fly backwards to uh, January 2018. So we got a big Santa rally in 2017. Uh, and then Bitcoin started collapsing in January. And this signaled uh, more broadly that, uh, you know, the, ma the markets were about to get wrecked in February. I remember the beginning of February was a, was a huge, it was a Volmageddon event which uh, would brutalize a lot of investors. So I hope Bitcoin's nature changes, uh, but for the moment, it's still, it still ties in a lot of speculative assets. You know, something of a, a Bitcoin to cannabis investor uh, pipeline that I've discovered where in 2017, lots of people got in, into crypto and then got wrecked at the beginning of 2018, then got into uh, cannabis stocks. And this, this seems to be playing out again, where over the past few months before Bitcoin got its, got its mojo back, there, were lots of, there was lots of interest in these cannabis stocks again. Uh, it's funny how you know, these themes that originally attract people are then ditched for other themes and these things can actually repeat over time. But at the same time, Kit, I would, uh, I would, I would end with it by saying, you know, people say you know, it's a flash crash and things like that. I mean, at the time of us having this conversation, uh, Bitcoin is $50,000. And if somebody had told you in 2017 that Bitcoin had crashed to $50,000, uh, well, that would be, uh, that would, <laughs> it would be quite a funny thing to say. Yeah, certainly. Um, it's funny, <laughs> we're talking about Santa rallies and Bitcoins. I don't know if you read the piece by Lucy Kettaway in the, the FT, which was discussing the way in which, uh, you know, in the playgrounds across the country, children, you know, from the ages of 12, 13 and onwards are trading cryptos on their phones and they're just sort of completely blasé about the risks of loss. And I don't know if you've seen the quote of one boy said, you know, when asked what, you know, how you feel if it goes down, he said, ah, it'd be fine there because it always goes back up. <laughs> uh, and it's those sort of anecdotal quotes that that make one very nervous. But um, I agree with what you say in terms of Bitcoin being different from absolutely everything. Uh, and so it's sort of maybe its uncorrelation will prove out in time. But for now, it is it is worth keeping an eye on. Um, but there's always plenty to keep an eye on in the crypto space. And, you know, maybe we'll get a chance to dig more into that in another podcast. But for now, Boaz, 
thanks very much for joining me. It's always a pleasure having you on and, and getting your brilliant insights. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Kit. Uh, one closing remark I would say, uh, it, uh, as you described with the uh, the kid that's playing uh, play, playing with the crypto market, as uh, as one can all, <laughs> only only kids can really play at these kind of things. So. You know, that sentiment with, uh, well, I just buy it uh, and I don't mind if it goes down because, you know, I'll just go back up again. Uh, I would, I would, well, I wonder, this is just as an open question, but I, I do wonder just how many people there are out there uh, who are saving for their retirement uh, just through their, you know, their employer's uh, contribution-based schemes, you know, defined contribution schemes, uh, or people uh, who are saving for retirement independently, they're just buying, uh, you know, sectors they think that are hot. Uh, you know, if they're going really big into, uh, you know, renewable energy powered cars or something like that. How many people investing today who are actively investing uh, have actually exactly the same view as that boy? And that's the main, you know, the main reason that they're fine. They have a high alt attitude to risk in general is because they have this belief because, you uh, I, I actually think what an awful lot of adults, grown mature adults, uh, invest with a very similar thing, it's a very similar thing in mind, uh, but who just don't admit it. And I, I wonder how many people, I, I would want, I think there's quite a lot, I would say there's quite a lot of people who invest in that same way. Uh, but as there's a, there's a great saying by Dave Colum, uh, who is something of a, uh, of a, something of a bearish individual. Uh, and he says, his saying was, uh, always remember that Mr. Market will lure everybody back into the swimming pool before he throws the toaster oven in. And I think that <laughs> is, uh, that's what I worry about when you see the popularity of, well, I just buy it and then it goes up. Because when everybody thinks that, and a lot of them do, I'm sure a lot of them do, I don't know about everybody, but an awful lot of them do. When everyone does think that, that is when the toaster oven is, is going to be coming. So, Yeah, well, it is interesting if you know, 40 years of market history have conditioned people to feel that way because mm -hmm. since 1980, since inflation peaked and rates started coming down and markets started going up and up and up forever, supported by the various central banks, that is the psychological conditioning. You know, we are Pavlov's dogs and we have been trained to respond to dips by buying. And, you know, again, just going back to the ferocity of the rebound of this little tiny mini dip from Omicron in the last two weeks has been very interesting to see. And the, the dips seem to get smaller and smaller because as soon as you see one, it's a great opportunity to buy, isn't it? Anyway, um, yeah, Boaz, thanks very much for joining me. Great final insight. And uh, thanks for everyone for watching and listening. Uh, and I think I'm right in saying that Sam and I will be back on the, the airwaves next Friday. Um, but until then, have a great weekend and see you all then. Bye for now. See you later, folks. Thanks for having me.